You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's guest is Dawn. Trust me when I say that this artist is clearly one of a kind. She's talented in a way where you're reminded that artists can elevate the status quo. You want proof? Well, listen to her latest album, New Breed. It's one of the most ambitious releases to come out of 2019, and yet it's also a deeply personal piece of work. She found herself back in her hometown of New Orleans, where inspiration was found in every corner, and it's truly paid off. But how does her music sound? What genre is she? Truth be told, the only way to describe her music is futuristic. Her music literally sounds like it's out of this world. And on this episode, we go into how this all came to be. This is the 405 Exchange with Dawn. Enjoy. So before we start, did I indeed notice a Haitian flag in your Twitter bio? Yeah, my father, his side of the family is from Haiti, Jacques Mel. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, my parents are Haitian as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, small world. I know, right? Yeah. I have no idea what part my mom's from, and she'd probably hate that, but my dad grew up within Port-au-Prince. So okay, yeah, yeah, I've been to Port-au-Prince, yeah. Uh-huh. I've actually never been before. What's it like? I've been, oh, it's beautiful. Um, I went seven months after the earthquake to Port-au-Prince, so it was really, it was, um, hard to see but also I was very proud of the people they just figured it out and how to move forward and um, it was touching for me because I had experienced Katrina so it was kind of like a lot of parallels that I felt that we had gone through of course we're not anywhere near a third world country but I could feel the the same elements of what the people had to go through to figure out how to pick up and move forward Um, the people are absolutely beautiful that's incredible so one of the reasons I wanted to kick off the interview with bringing this up and this is a question, the first question is a bit more of a selfish one for me, but how was it growing up and wanting to be an artist in a, in a partial Haitian household? Well, my father's a musician, oh. so it, it wasn't the same, you know, like being from New Orleans, music is, is like everywhere. So my father has a master's in, in, in music and music theory, yeah. so I grew up loving it. It was looked great upon, but of course I grew up in a black home too. Like, so like it was my father's Haitian, my mom's Creole. So education and academia was first, no matter what, what. you know, they were both educators too. My father was a teacher and my mom was a teacher. So, uh, music was a hobby, right? My dad had it as a career, but he also fell back on his master's degree teaching. So that was kind of what was taught. Art was for the outlet, Mm -hmm. but academia was for the the journey of your life and that was what I was taught. And what was it like growing up that way because something that I really loved about when I was um, sent your music and I got to look deeper into what you're about and seeing pretty much everything about your artistry is you struggle as one of those people that could only have ever been an artist where it's not so much as something that you're exuding from out of you but so much as your actual being. Yeah I mean I, my grandmother was a librarian she has a PhD in library science yeah. so I grew up in a library so I grew up reading uh-huh. so I love the times of the Iliad or the Odyssey Odysseus was like something that I these were things that were tangible to me like those stories were real uh-huh. and beautiful to me so that 
was leaked into the music. So all these platforms of one of my favorite paintings, painters growing up was Gustav Klimt. So that was a part of the Redemption era and I mean um, the Golden Heart era and all my albums. All these influences that I had growing up in the academia that I was exposed to. Um, and then of course my father playing in the church and spirituality, all these things were a part of the growth of my music. Yeah. And you can hear it uh, evolve throughout those things. So it was very much um, in, in just bred in the culture of what I was gonna do as a musician. So I had no choice but to be an artist, but I had all these things to kind yeah. of make it a catalyst. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful that you never find yourself seeing it as a either or thing. Cause I think no. when I was younger, I was one of those kids that was definitely pretty awful at school. Yeah. I would hang around like the art school kids. And it was almost like a thing of like, feeling like misfits in regards to academia. But as I've gotten older and I've learned more things, there is a beauty of academia and learning about information and history and stories that, I mean, I don't want to talk bad about New York's ed, uh, public education system, right. but I think the the beauty of it isn't really showcased to you until you like search out yourself. And what you brought about growing up and being able to go to a library and have that background of your family, yeah. that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, it was beautiful to me, not everybody else, right? Being yeah. a black girl and being a nerd and being into those, wasn't necessarily the coolest thing at the time, but for me, it was. It just was. It was something I was very used to. I could go to a library and then go put on some, you know, Biff Naked or put on some Bjork or put on some Green Day and then go to church on Sunday and the gospel music with my dad. And then it was very natural to me to have all these dynamics and it never felt like it was forced. It just was who I was. I love that. Uh, I have to say right off the bat that the Tiny Desk concert that you did was quite surreal. What Thank was that you. experience like for you? Very hard for me, man. I was so grateful. I, hard and awesome. Like I, I had fought really hard to get that opportunity because, you know, being indie, you don't, they don't come by easy. You have to fight for the opportunity. And I'm very grateful to Lars, over at Tiny Desk. He, it wasn't even really. He doesn't do all the booking for Tiny Desk, but he did a favor. Yeah. He asked in a favor because he was a specific. He said Redemption Heart was one of his favorite albums, oh. uh, and so I got a, I got a moment. I got an opportunity and I didn't want to let the person who gives me those opportunities, because I'm grateful for outlets like you and people like Lars at, at NPR because they search and they find these artists that they're really grateful for and they give them a shot. He gave me a shot and I didn't want to let him down. So I spent my little pennies and got together and made sure my band was, we flew, I flew us all, no label, budget all on my own and we flew there and we gave a show. Wow, so and much um, to Yeah, and it was one of the best experiences because I grew up loving Tiny Desk. Like, so, you know, I think the next week was Erica Badu, and I was just like, that was surreal for me to wow. be able to be even in the same week in the same pattern as incredible artists. When really, like, truly, that was strictly off of a luck and an opportunity, and like someone just believing in it. Um, and it was still one of my favorite performances I've done because it was it was so genuine and so pure, and we were so grateful. That's exactly what I gravitated from it. And honestly, for people listening who might. Uh, who haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend that Thank after this talk you yeah. go and watch it because it is like, like what you just said. You, you found a way to create a moment. It feels like a moment in time, that performance. Yeah, like, every moment is precious for us. Every moment as an indie artist, every moment we get, we can't take it for granted. So every moment I feel like we treat each moment, whether small or big, 20 people or 30 people or a million, we treat it the same because we don't know when the next time we'll get an opening because we don't have anyone shopping this. It's, you know, we have to like 
every moment is is crucial. No, exactly. Yeah. And um, I especially love the fact that you just brought up the band that you were with because that was also a very captivating element of the performance. Uh, who were those talented people that you had with yeah. you? Yeah. Particularly the backing singers as well. The band yeah. Members. So Ben uh, is a guitarist with a band called Kid Eyes. Bill is a drummer who also works with Pell, who's from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, and then Sephora Kane, she's an artist. She sung background for JoJo. Like, she's incredible vocally, and she's also beautiful. Her body is different. I wanted to use a chocolate girls with different shapes. Yeah. And then Chandler Joy is from Shreveport, Louisiana. Incredible artist vocally. They're all indie artists. They're all artists of their own right. And I asked them to come from their own pockets and to be seen. Every time I do something, I want to give platforms for other indie artists to shine. So instead of taking people and just doing it randomly, I specifically pick indie artists uh, to give them opportunities to, to put their art out there with me. Yeah, and it works. I mean, it made for a very, it makes in general for a very holistic experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so when I was reading up on you, I noticed how important it was for you to have your music under no constraints and no boundaries, and that mm -hmm. very much led me to be doubly excited to talk to you. Um, you've described how your music, you described this in the LA Times, I do have the quote here, you've described how your music is genreless, colorless, and genderless, and I'd love to hear you talk about talk about that a bit more because yeah. I found that really interesting. Well, genreless means I, I, I've always felt uh, that it was okay to meld genres. I mean, black black people and especially soul music and blues has been the, the, the root. African culture has been the root. The drum itself has been the root of most music um, genres all over. So all music right now is is intertwined, but for some reason we have to put labels on it. I never wanted that. I loved the idea that I always wanted to be an artist that if I could sing country, I could. If I could do electronic techno dance, the point was to never lose the soul, the vocal, the signature, right? And I wanted to be able to make my signature so present that no matter what what it was signed to, right, it still was my own. And I always wanted that. And so that's what I meant by genre, uh, genreless. I never felt like it needed to be boxed. I do, when I say colorless, I was doing a trilogy and I meant to say that I wanted an album that spoke to trans, gay, queer, white, black, green, everyone, because I felt like all people who were not having a voice, those albums were built for them. But I am very aware of color as a black woman, so I don't want that to be mixed up where people say I'm saying color. No, I'm very aware as a black woman that is very real, and being a black woman trying new things is very difficult in an industry that is built on us being a specific thing. Um, but in that time when I was creating that album, I wanted a music that everybody could relate to who felt like their voices were unheard. Because yeah. I felt like one of those people. I kept pushing a platform where I felt like, why do I have to consistently be this idea when I felt like I could be all of it? I never had a problem with being everything, but everyone else had, a, had an issue. It has to be this. Your hair has to be one thing. Yeah. Your sound has to be one thing. And then as you grow, then change it. Who made that rule? Because of the people that I love, the artists that I was influenced, Grace Jones, she was different every Wednesday. Like yeah. she had a flat top one day, she had red hair the next, then she would have a wig on the next day. She'd wear, she was all over the place and she was incredible in every facet of what she was. And why can't we be that as black women, right? Why can't we be all of those things? And I really wanted to push a, a sound and a platform that spoke to that. I love the fact that you're willing to go that the that you were willing to go more in depth with that, and that's what makes 
uh, platforms such as this necessarily like a podcast so important where people might be able to read something but being able to hear you go into it in more depth and more context yeah. is so important so it's, it's real we have that. to be able to see ourselves in all forms uh, there's not enough forms of us in other spaces like people keep saying every time we sing on a record that's automatically R&B well look we have soul so no matter what we do, we'll have so, but that does not mean we can't exist in other spaces. To me, I think that's what adds the beauty to the, to the context of the genre. I think so too. I don't want to speak for you at all, but would I be right engaging that from what you're saying? It's that you would want people to see Don Richards as a musician, not blank musician, and blank being the interchangeable kind of a descriptor or genre that could be applied. Well, I would want them to see Don Richard. Uh, that's my last name, Richard. No, My apologies. Haitian. <laughs> um, I would want people to see just Dawn, period, as um, as an artist, like I, as someone who can fit in everything. Like I don't think we, it's interesting. We never question in pop culture. We don't say, "Oh, this girl is white, so she has to only be pop." She can be R and B. She can be soulful. She can be rock. We don't question that. But as soon as we see a woman of color, we immediately link us to one thing. All I'm saying is that why can't we be a part of across the board and be present in the industry in all things? Why does the moment our face and our color get pegged that we immediately become R&B, alternative R&B, elected, like we have to have because we are soulful in the way we look. Why can't we just be whatever artists we're, we're forming to be? Like if I sing folk, why can't I just be folk? Exactly. But when they see you, they're going to say, oh, that's R&B and folk, our soul folk. But you know what's great about you bringing this forward and answering that within the way you are is that if you keep presenting that, uh, what's that word, the word? I'm kind of blanking right now. The uh, double standard of yeah. that. If you keep presenting that, you keep recognizing the fact yeah. that no one can present Like what if a black girl comes and she's a dance artist? Yeah. Why do we have to say, well, she's an R&B dance artist, or she started in R&B, or she's alt R&B? No, maybe she's just a techno artist. Yeah. Like, why? But because of what we look like, we're automatically, we're branded uh, before we even have a chance to really, like, create the sound. Yeah. There's so many incredible heavy metal black girls out there and all these. We, they never get a chance to see the light. Like, we don't even see ourselves represented. Like, name a incredibly, incredible rock heavy metal black girl group right now nobody yeah. would be able to but they are out there they exist well, but we haven't that. put anyone out there to even represent that in a way so that we can see ourselves in that space for a young girl to say i want to be the next motley crew the, the black version of we don't have that yeah. and that's a shame we should yeah, they crazy, exist man. yeah they exist well, thanks so much for being able to go into that journey with me yeah no that's uh, real and speaking about journeys i mean this album of yours um it's a journey that starts if you're returning to your home of New Orleans, yeah. and uh, which is where you were born. What was it like to go back there, and how did it make you feel? It's home. It, I, I felt it. I f the people are just so damn fly. Like yeah. I, I re like there is a welcoming and a pride about us that no matter with, it, no matter what, we're gonna dance and we're gonna sing and we choose that in everything, whether it be our in death when we second line or we you know, give praise and, and dance to the, the homecoming of a, of a soul or a wedding or, or Mardi Gras or just a regular average Sunday where people just decide to have the tuba and the bass out and then before you know it, people are walking the streets dancing and singing. There's just a level of um, sauce and drip 
that just resonates to the city um, that I can feel as soon as I walk there. It's nothing like it. And I wanted to write a love letter to say to people I didn't get a chance to write that letter because Katrina happened. So I wasn't able to really musically go back to the city. People had left. It was Everybody was displaced. It's been 10 years, and now I'm able to come back and it feels the same. There are things that have changed. It's a bit gentrified, you know, but the, the 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 culture is so rich and wealthy, you know, like that richness in the culture that, um, man, to walk the streets and to do Mardi Gras and to be with the Washita Nation and the Indians, that felt good. Would I be right in thinking that, because from my personal experiences of uh, touring and traveling around, there are experiences that I've always loved and I've always um, held to a high esteem in terms of a privilege of being able to do that. But it is the type of thing where I feel like there's nothing like being away from your home for a while, then going back and then recognizing things that you didn't recognize prior. Yeah. And I also, too, it's different when you get stripped of it, right? When you lose it. It's a whole different thing, too. Like, what happened with Katrina was devastating on a lot of different levels from the government the way they handled it from the level of us realizing that we were a city that people didn't really fuck with like that. They didn't want to care to help us, you know what I mean? And then to see us as a culture pick ourselves back up. Um, there's pride in that too. So to go back home and to see that and to have that story adds to a whole different, onto the dynamic also of leaving and knowing, coming back to a city, just like the regular feel of what you would feel like to leave and come back to your house. Yeah. That's added to it. So it, there was just a level of... Um, it made me see, I wanted to show people why I am the way I am, all the way down to the fashion, to the choices. I'm not trying to be this extra ass thing. New Orleans is extra as fuck. <laughs> like, that's just what we are. You know what I mean? Like, you can literally walk down the street and see a man in full fucking feathers and diamonds and fucking glitter walking down the street in some of the most elaborate sewn garbs as a Mardi Gras Indian on a fucking regular ass Sunday. <laughs> That's real. We can see ourselves represented in that way. So why, why, how could I not be this? You know what I mean? And that's the story I was trying to, 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 to tell in this new breed in this album. There's a cocky and a confidence that sits on us that money can't buy. It's pride and beauty of a black person and I want black people to see themselves like this. And that was what this, especially black women, yeah, I survived a lot of things, and it's only because I was built like this, and I am not the only one. The city kind of bleeds these type of people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to start asking you about uh, music now, uh, yeah. specific songs. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's hard to think of a tr recent track I've heard that's more poignant than Jealousy. Yeah. It's quite clear to me that this track was a massive accomplishment for you as a songwriter. Um, what was it like? the experience of recording this because I feel like that was probably a very significant experience for you. Yeah, I freestyled that whole thing. Didn't write it down. Serious? I, I had gone through it. I had gone through it, thought about it. I heard the record and it brought me back to the reality of, uh, for the first time in my, 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 my life, I felt jealousy for the first time. And I thought it was interesting because I, I'm pretty good about like not giving a shit about like other people in relationships I'm very good about it but this one was really serious this relationship was really serious to me and it made me realize I'm very New Orleans right so that <laughs> New Orleans like because New Orleans women just a little different yeah. and I reacted the way and that it was just like I told the story of what that would be from us right yeah. and it's a blatant like unapologetic 
nasty ass letter, <laughs> you know, that that would be in modern time. And it was brilliant. And I loved all my flaws in that moment. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to put uh, a queen from one of the tribes before it so that you could hear how she talked yeah. and the level of like how she saw herself, King Creole, uptown, how a woman and how she could look at it and say, you could never be me. I am, look at the pretty, pretty queen. That's how the native women of the tribes talk, like look the, the kings, look at my pretty, look at the pretty, pretty king. And I wanted to make that introduction to say, that's how we see ourselves in relation. <laughs> this bitch could never in her mouth is drink. And that's it's kind of this saucy, you know, like arrogant ass take to it. But that's how you some women approach a relationship when they feel that they are worthy of their partner. Yeah. And uh, that was the take on that. And I loved every second of it. It was all freestyle. Yeah. Uh, you know what? If there's anything I'm going to take away from this interview, it's that moment just now. The experience that I just had of watching you smiling so much. Yeah, because it's hilarious. Because I, I, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it's like it's a, it's ridiculous. But it's funny because uh, I love it. It's 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 an it's it's truth. It's me facing that truth that that was happened. But I wanted to show people the way in which we do it. Like yeah. it's, you know, we all have moments. But that moment was still in itself. I, I could feel myself wearing that crown. You know, like. Yeah the levels of uh, how we, we view ourselves as black women and the level of like how we see ourselves when we really truly love a black man and that level of, or a man, it doesn't mean he's black or white, whatever, but how we love someone and the level of pride we have in our love of our partners, how black women take that seriously and that level of confidence we have that we know our love is like no other, right? And so that conversation that we have with that other per person to let them know that. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and can I just say that you also captured a very, very beautiful portrait of your city within the music video for that. Thank um, you. Like, I imagine that wasn't freestyled, like creating no, a video. It never is. No, but yeah. How close did the finished version of the video resonate with what you had envisioned? Because if everything Perfect. felt so... It was, it, we knew exactly what we wanted to do. It was very intentional. I, I wanted to show the essence of our culture and make the woman... Right, even seeing the airbrush paint, the the, the, the mural of the girl yeah. with the gold teeth, that's all real. And I wanted people to see the beauty of chocolate, right? Like this yeah. chocolate woman and the fierceness of her. And not looking at uh, her jealousy as a weakness, but looking at it as a badge of confidence, right? Yeah. And that was kind of the conversation. Was she? What was I wrong for this shit? Probably, you know. <laughs> but in the moment, it's honest. But the, it was more about the pride, right? Of the level of like, my love is no other love. Take this love and see how you will never be able to love the way I love. And that was the essence of it. The power of the love of a black woman. I love that, and you totally captured that. Um, yeah. Another track I knew I needed to ask you about was Vultures and Wolves. Yeah. Um, I can't hear a track like this without wondering how liberating must have been for you as the artist to get this out of you yeah. and to just put all your thoughts and your feelings out there. You've talked about a little bit about that with Jealousy, but what was it like to do it in this track, which was in a very succinct and I would say even direct way? Yeah. And Wolves? It spoke to all the experiences I've had with men um, in this industry. Well, all my bosses, and I've had a few different ones, whether they're managers, whether it was Puff, whether it was whoever, like... Um, PR, just different types of the levels of disrespect, sexual assault, my boy, like ex-boyfriends, like I've dealt with a lot of disrespectful men in my life. Um, thank God my father wasn't that. My father was brilliant. And I thought I held every man to the level of my father. And that was a mistake because they never, all, none of them ever gave the same respect that he ever did. 
Um, and I found it that vul the vultures spoke, uh, wolves sp spoke to the level of how men see women of talent in this industry and what they look as opportunity where meat, where pieces of meat dangling and they sell it with an object, you know, with these, uh, these, um, pretty deeds and these pretty things that they put in front of you but the truth is you're seeing it now women are tired of the the pandering and the idea that we have to be these these things instead of high, held to a higher standard um and i wanted to create a record that spoke to all of it uh but again always seeing the women as powerful and never seeing it as weak right but speaking on the truth that we all hear them we all hear what they sound like. We all see them running in packs. Um, and we're very aware of you. And I wanted to make a record that's to, that's to say, we see you. We see your true forms. And I never wanted to look beyond, no blame games. No, just, I see you. I saw you in those moments. And I needed to tell you that I saw you. And that was that. And I didn't even give it a full song. I gave it a moment. Because they'll never get, they'll never get that kind of energy. But I wanted to make it be known that I that I saw you, right? And Vulture spoke to the reality that though I see other people's weaknesses, I also see my own, right? Holding a mirror to myself and how self-sabotage self is a part of it. We as women constantly say, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. Or even gay culture, queer culture, because they're put to these things so they have to constantly apologize for what they are. You go into workplaces and you don't even realize you're apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. And... I spoke to that in Vultures, like that sometimes we get in our own way. We overthink these things because we have to be those things. So I wrote a record first addressing my own demons and then after addressing the demons before me. I love that. And um, I, you know what, like, and I thought about this after I listened to New Breed for the first time and also within the second listen as well because it's very interesting when you get through an album for the first time and you really do experience it and then the second time it's almost like watching a movie for a second time yeah. and picking up on different things I think what will really surprise people and especially for people listening now who aren't familiar with New Breed is the overall production uh, how it's so smooth and futuristic and see you're smiling again because yeah. you know what I'm talking about yeah. and I have to say this album feels very modern and as though it's both separate from the world we're in, it also feels very fitting for the world we're living in now. Yeah. Talk me through what inspired the musical direction of the album, because I feel like the overall sound, each song does have its moment, but there is like an overall sonic palette that's... Yeah. I, and I mean, I can't... I don't know what to correlate it to. Yeah, that that's the point. Kind of that's the point. That The point is for it now. Everybody's so bent on having the next whomever. I want them, she should be the next this. I didn't want to be that kind of artist. I wanted to be an artist that created my own sound, my own everything. Uh, and this album speaks to that, but I've always adored futurism, Afrofuturism, always. All my albums are pushed in some way tech, tech or sonically be pushed forward. Um, I want to show New Orleans not only just for its bounce culture and its rap culture, but also the possibilities of what we can be, right, yeah. um, musically. Um, so taking elements of our past and then pushing it forward to the next thing and showing like, not that we're that we're also progressive, yeah. and I and I did that with this. And the great thing is I mostly produced this with my friend Derek. Uh, he's incredible, D Berg. Uh, him and I did most of the most of the album together, and uh, this was the most I've ever produced. And I, I'm so proud of the fact that you hear the futurism in it because that was the point. I'm always wanting to give a body of work that is uh, you hear all the way through. Yeah. 
I always want it to be cohesive. I never want you to listen to a song and not think you can't play that whole bad boy through. But I also wanted to make sure that people saw and heard the essence of New Orleans, the root of it, yeah. the funk, the blues. But I also wanted them to hear 2095, 3062 of where New Orleans is going to go, right? And the future of where we can take bounce culture. That's why New Breed. The song has elements of bounce, but it isn't a bounce record. Yeah. It pushes it, right, um, to the next idea of where bounce could go, right? Shades takes funk, but it takes it to where it could go. It simplifies, takes a lot of the element of all the instruments in funk and takes pieces of moments of funk and then spreads it out, spans it out so that it can have these the, bre the breathing room to be spacious, yeah. which takes it to a future place. You're going to think I'm totally messing with you, but I swear I'm not. But there were moments I listened to this album where different uh, textures and sounds came mm -hmm. about where my brain, and I'm familiar with like the different things that artists could do in studios, mm -hmm. but like there were moments in this album where I was like, I don't know what instrument that was. That's the point. Do you like that? That's the like, point. Like knowing that people have a reaction like that? That's the that's point. That's really cool. Yeah, what's the point? You're tr we're, we're breaking up the sound so that you can see it visually if you close your eyes you can see it being taken apart um I'm, i want people to be uncomfortable i want to push them musically and musically sonically and intellectually to really think and listen back to this a few times and see what we were trying to do this isn't something that you're going to get in one listen none of my albums are but the point is for you to hear the story being told because the lyrics are one thing the melody is another the production is a completely other thing but it's all telling a tale, yeah. right? It's taking you somewhere, and the point, the place I'm trying to take everyone is forward. Yeah, forward. Well, you've achieved that, and it's actually really trippy uh, being sat here talking to you and getting to know you a little bit because I think about some of the tracks I listened to off the album and kind of seeing what you're like in a room. It makes some tracks make a lot of sense to me, and I'm thinking obviously of uh, Shades. Yeah. Because that I think out of all the tracks the album has this element of charisma to it. Yeah. That is. I would say striking. Is yeah. that fair to say? It's very striking. You know? Well, yeah, I don't give, like, I, I, I'm open with my sexuality. I'm open with what I am. Um, and so a lot of the records are forward in your face, right? The, the lyrics are very, like, unafraid. But why should I be a man isn't when he sings, right? Exactly. When they speak on records, they're unashamed of what they are. I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm honest. And those records should be forward lyrically. They should be charisma. Like, a lot of this stuff talks about pain, but it talks about a pain in a jubilant way. It does. Right? I never want us to feel sorry for ourselves. And the music never does that. It's dark, but it always is danceable. Because in New Orleans, death or life, we dance. Right? Yeah. Same thing. I love that you spread that. I only have a couple more um, yeah. message questions for you, but thanks so much for taking this. No, time. it's awesome. I really do appreciate this. Um, you know, a major theme of the album that I uh, that resonated with me was the element of growth. And um, I'd be curious to hear about your experience of growth that you experienced with just making this album in general. Um, what if, can you tell me? Because you, I think this is always important to kind of figure out in terms of talking to an artist and, you know, kind of pulling things apart. What, in terms of growth, what do you think surprised you the most about yourself when you were making this? That I could keep doing it. Really? Yeah, because it's uh, it's hard. This is hard, hard work to do this all on your own. It's very, very difficult. Uh, I'm sh I shock myself daily that I'm able to even even keep going because there are days I'm like I 
I'm financially just can't do this. Like, because there literally is, I'm doing it all. Like, so I'm always shocked that at the end product, the quality of the work is never compromised. Because I feel like it, it should be sometimes because I spend so much time on the business side of things that I don't get as much time as other artists get to build. Right, most artists they get have team and they tell you, okay, all you have to do is rehearse. Like when I was in Danny Kane, all we had to do was hit the mark. Right, we got the things planned, we got those opportunities, so we rehearse, 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 and we make the art the best it can be. They get the shows, and we go out there and we execute. I don't have the pleasure of doing that. I've got to book the shows, yeah. build the set, book the band, pay the band, make the outfits, build the outfits, and then I cannot compromise the art because when people look, they expect you to be at the same level as your peers. Yeah. And so some days I worry, I, I always worry like, will the art be compromised? Cause I cannot, I would not, I cannot have that happen. So I'm always shocked um, that the art is still beautiful at the end of it. And that is why I still keep going because uh, I haven't yet compromised the art. And that very much is the case with the album New Breed. I mean, do you even remember what it was like uh, listening back to the album for the first time? I was, I was afraid uh, New Breed wouldn't be as incredible as my trilogies because my, my trilogies were great to me. Yeah. And I was worried that because I had produced most of it, mm-hmm. uh, it wouldn't get the same feel because it was completely different. Yeah. Um, and I loved that fear. It made me feel alive. And every time I feel that fear, I'm like, I'm still here. Like I'm st- like it's a pinch, right? It's like it makes me still feel grateful for the journey, because the moment you start feel, feeling numb and desensitized to it all, it's the moment you should stop. I have to say, I really love your pride, your sense of pride within your art, because I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's interesting how common it is to talk to artists that almost don't allow themselves to feel a sense of pride of their work overtly. But yeah. the fact that you were able to say that... Because I work really hard. And, it, and the crazy part is none of my works are where I would want them to be. None of them are because, again, I had to compromise some of it to do the other stuff. Yeah. I haven't worked with big producers or incredibly awesome big writers. or I've never had... I did that with DK and Dirty Money. I know what that looks like. And it's yeah. dope. You get the hit records and you got 16 people on a record and they make an incredible fucking record, right? I didn't get that. I don't have that privilege, right? So imagine the levels of where I could be if I did, but I don't I don't dwell on that, right? I have to figure it out. Just like I'm not the only one. There's thousands of artists like me who are trying to figure that shit out. So there is a pride there because I know how hard I work to even be able to get here. And I'm not the only one. And so I, I, I have to have that level of pride because if you don't love your shit, nobody else will. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I do, I will be honest and say, I haven't even touched the surface of what I can do if I were able to be able to spend half the amount of time I've been doing the other stuff as I did on my own art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Before I let you go here, uh, tell me, what does New Breed today say about who you are as an artist today? It speaks on the possibilities of a versatile artist. I feel like New Breed is going, it speaks to the changing of an industry. Uh, There's a new artist, a new movement coming where artists are not going to be your conventional idea anymore. 
And I can't fucking wait for the rest of us to take over this shit because it's going to change the face of the way the industry sees an artist. And I hope I'm on the forefront of that. I definitely think you are. Uh, Don, thanks so much for taking time to chat. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I honestly, not only can I wait for people to listen to music, but I honestly can't wait for more people in the world to get the chance to talk to you. Thank you. This is a true pleasure. Thank Thank you. you I appreciate it. Anytime, man. Yeah, we did good. Yeah, we did. (laughs) I am the lion.